Let's start today with a very meaty, substantial discussion about the American economy. Inflation has reached its lowest annual level in two years, and the right is coming up with new ways to talk about how the economy is absolutely terrible. And that's the question we're going to address with real numbers today. I recently reported to you on on Monday, in fact, Monday of this week or three months ago. I don't remember. No, it was two days ago. Um, I told you about the better than expected jobs numbers that came out of, of April. Uh, during the Biden administration. And I hesitate to give too much credit or blame on these issues in general to presidents because they have to do with so many broader macroeconomic trends. But everybody wants to make everything political. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's start with inflation and then we'll move on from there. Consumer prices in April rise at slowest annual rate in two years. Reminder. Often when we see the inflation numbers from last month, they are actually the numbers for the 12 month period ending last month. So in May, we get the April 22 to April 23 numbers. In June, we will get the May 22 to May 23 numbers. This is like a trailing 12 month period. Consumer prices in April. This is uh, Yahoo Finance. Consumer prices in April April showed inflation pressures remain elevated while headline prices rose at the slowest annual rate since the period ending April 2021. According to the latest data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the consumer price index revealed headline infra inflation rose 0.4 percent over the last month and 4.9 percent over the prior year in April. Now, reminder, inflation has been very high. As you can see here, this is a chart. Uh, dating back to 1970, we had this period uh, culminating in uh, June of 2022, where inflation got very high, uh, as high as it's been going all the way back to the early 80s. And then exactly as predicted, uncontroversially, it has been declining, declining, declining. My prediction was and there's nothing special about me. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm not special in any way. Just the way things were looking, getting an outlook of what we were seeing uh, you know, in the used car market, in the grocery store, in real estate, just looking a little bit, being reasonable adults, most of us, some children in the audience. My sense was by the end of this year, we would be somewhere in the low fives, mid fours, roughly when it comes to inflation, which is still historically a little high, but dramatically lower half of where we uh, reached. So that's happening. And of course, you will you're already seeing right wingers saying, David, these numbers are obviously fake. Have you seen the price of eggs lately? And of course, it's not just driven by the price of eggs. This is a, a measure that we've talked about a number of times. It's composed of a number of factors. But let's now ask a broader question. If we look at all of those different indicators that I often tell you about to answer the question, is the economy doing well by traditional measures? which don't capture every aspect of the economy, but they give us a picture. What's going on with inflation? How is GDP? Where is unemployment? How's consumer confidence? How's the stock market doing? What about trade balance? You get a picture that is quite unremarkable in the sense of things are pretty much OK. Now, does that mean we don't have inequality? No, we do. And we've had it for a long time. Does this mean wages haven't been keeping up with inflation? Absolutely. Uh, going back well beyond Joe Biden. But the picture is not a very scary picture. You look at GDP. GDP in Q4 of 2022 was up 2.6 percent. And in Q1 of this year was up 1.1 percent. 1.1 percent. Again, this is annualized. This isn't an incredible number. We look for two to three percent. But it's not a bad number either. We saw, of course, this is a chart going back that includes the pandemic. Q2 of 2020, we saw one of the largest GDP decreases uh, in, in a very long time. We made a lot of that back in Q3. And then the numbers have just sort of been like, OK, at the beginning of 2022, we actually saw some uh, negative GDP growth, then more positive in Q3 and Q4 of last year, and then now a positive but not explosively exciting number. So GDP is sort of like, OK. You look at the unemployment rate and you see, of course, this big spike here. This was the, the the heart of covid of the pandemic. And since then, unemployment has declined, declined, declined. Much of this under President Joe Biden, how much credit we give him depends on who you are. But be that as it is, 
you see that the unemployment rate has now gotten very low, as low as it got under Trump, as low as it's been, quite frankly, dating all the way back to the late 1960s. So unemployment is very low. Huh? Doesn't look like a disaster. We then look at consumer confidence. Consumer confidence is another indicator representing the confidence of the average person in the American economy. And you see that uh, consumer confidence did decline a little bit in April. Not much, but a little bit. Um, but it is historically at quite a high level. Consumer confidence is a little bit below where it was at the height of the stock market rally while Trump was president, but it is historically uh, quite high. And you the, the chart is on the screen and sort of the numbers speak for themselves. Well, what about the stock market? These are S&P 500 returns going all the way back to 1930. As you can see, this very clearly shows the boom bust cycle of the American economy. And as you can see here, we had um, 2022 last year, a very bad year for the stock market. 2021 was quite good. That was, again, a year under Joe Biden, the S&P returning 27 percent in 2021, losing 19 percent in 2022. And so far this year, the S&P 500 has returned more than 7 percent and it's only May. So really no major red flag, big, scary data from the stock market either. Things are pretty OK. And then lastly, you look at the trade balance, which many uh, uh, folks on the right often like to discuss. Important to understand. So trade balance means how much are we exporting versus how much are we importing? The U.S. has had consistent trade deficits for a long time. This chart. Uh, let's see if we can go back further. Um, there we go. So if you go back to the mid 70s, the U.S. has had high trade deficits. And this is because we import a bunch of oil and consumer products and consumer products. More recently, oil has not been the source of the trade deficit that applies under Trump and Biden, even though Trump likes to pretend that it was only under Trump that we weren't uh, having a deficit on oil, but it's under Biden as well. And as you can see, if we look more recently uh, since um, early 2022, the trade deficit has been declining. So again, a situation that is much bigger than Biden, but nothing hugely concerning. So what is the big picture with the economy? The big picture with the economy is that stepping outside of the political realm without assigning credit or blame to Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or Donald Trump or Mike Pence. We just take a 20 year view and we look at what happened under Trump and what's been happening under Biden. And it is really difficult to make the statistical case that we are in a disastrous economy today. Could a major recession be coming? Of course, that's a reality of the type of capitalist economy in which we live. That was true under Bush, Obama, Trump and Biden. But are we in a disastrously perilous place right now that we can point to when it comes to any of these indicators? The answer is no. Fired Fox News propagandist Tucker Carlson is coming back. He is relaunching his show on Twitter. What the hell with Twitter? What does that make any sense? I don't know. Here is Tucker Carlson's announcement now viewed nearly 20 million times. He made the announcement on Twitter, I guess, partnering with Elon Musk to relaunch, telling a number of corrosive lies. Let's take a look at Tucker's big announcement filmed in ultra widescreen. They've never seen widescreen this wide, um, apparently from his cabin in Maine or Florida. Who knows? Uh, let's take a listen. Hey, it's Tucker Carlson. You often hear people say the news is full of lies, but most of the time that's not exactly right. Much of what you see on television or read the New York Times is in fact true in the literal sense. It could pass one of the media's own fact checks. Lawyers would be willing to sign off on it. In fact, they may have. But that doesn't make it true. It's not true. At the most basic level, the news you consume is a lie, <laughs> a lie of the stealthiest and most insidious kind. Facts have been withheld on purpose, along with proportion and perspective. You are being manipulated. How does that work? Let's see. If I tell you that a man has been unjustly arrested for armed robbery, that is not, strictly speaking, a lie. He may have been framed. At this point, there's been no trial, so no one can really say. 
But if I don't mention the fact that the same man has been arrested for the same crime six times before, am I really informing you? No, I'm not. I'm misleading you. And that's what the news media are doing. In What's really funny about this is that it's a very fair criticism of the way that Fox News, including Tucker Carlson, present news stories and have done so since they launched in what it was in 1996 or 1997. It's quite I mean, he's right about everything he's saying. The problem is he's as guilty as anyone of exactly what he's calling out here. Every story that matters every day of the week, every week of the year. What's it like to work in a system like that? After more than 30 years in the middle of it, we could tell you stories. What a victim, huh? What a poor guy. The best you can hope for in the news business at this point is the freedom to tell the fullest truth that you can. But there are always limits. And you know that if you bump up against those limits often enough, you will be fired for it. So now Tucker is arguing he was fired for bumping up against the limits valiantly and bravely trying to tell us the truth. But I guess someone didn't really want him to do that or something. I mean, this you could only believe this if you followed absolutely nothing of what's been going on with Tucker Carlson for the last decade. That's not a guess. It's guaranteed. Every person who works in English language media understands that the rule of what you can't say defines everything. It's filthy, really. Right. And it's utterly corrupting. You can't have a free society if people aren't allowed to say what they think is true. Speech is the fundamental prerequisite for democracy. That's why it's enshrined in the first of our constitutional amendments. Amazingly, as of tonight, there aren't many platforms left that allow free speech. <laughs> the there, there aren't. That's surprising to many people. Last big one remaining in the world. The only one is Twitter. How convenient. Where we are now. Wow. Twitter has long served as the place where our national conversation incubates and develops. Twitter is not a partisan site. Everybody's allowed here, and we think that's a good thing. And yet for the most- Who's this we, by the way? For the most part, the news that you see analyzed on Twitter comes from media organizations that are themselves thinly disguised propaganda outlets. Like Fox. You see it on cable news, you talk about it on Twitter. The result may feel like a debate, but actually the gatekeepers are still in charge. We think that's a bad system. We know exactly how it works, and we're sick of it. Mm. Starting soon, we'll be bringing a new version of the show we've been doing for the last six and a half years to Twitter. <laughs> we'll be bringing some other things, too, which we'll tell you about. But for now, we're just grateful to be here. Free speech is the main right that you have. Without it, you have no others. See you soon. There you go. So Tucker Carlson bravely announcing that he will be coming to Twitter. Now, I will mention that Elon Musk, in response to this, uh, tweeted, um, I want to be clear, we have not signed a deal of any kind whatsoever. Tucker is subject to the same rules and rewards of all content creators. Rewards means subscriptions and ad revenue share still working on software needed for ladder, which is a function of how many people subscribe and the ad views associated with the content. I hope that many others, particularly from the left, also choose to be content creators on this platform. Listen, I'd love to learn more about that. I we we've never been the, there's never been ad revenue available to us that we've been aware of on Twitter, which is interesting. I'd like to learn more. So listen, he, this is Tucker's big return. I don't know to what extent this is the most profitable avenue for him. I, I just don't know. I need to learn a little more about it. Uh, but it it is very clear that this is the continued uh, refrain from the right that pre Elon Musk Twitter was not for free speech. It was not a, a so-called free speech platform. The speech of conservatives was unfairly limited. But now we can all rejoice and pray at the altar of Elon Musk because he has saved Twitter, made it a free speech platform once again. Now, when you look at that algorithmic for you feed on Twitter, you very quickly realize that it has overwhelmingly become a platform that feeds you right wing drivel uh, from some of the folks I mentioned when we talked about this on the Lex Friedman podcast, including Brigitte Gabriel and others. For some reason, I always am shown her stuff, even though I don't follow her. So this is Tucker's big announcement. I'm interested from a media critique perspective of seeing how it goes. I'm interested in seeing whether people do shows on Twitter, which is sort of a new concept. And we're going to follow it. 
make sure you're subscribed on the platforms that uh, uh, we have not um, abandoned uh, at this point in time, which include, of course, YouTube, TikTok, Snapchat and many, many others. We'll take a quick break and be back right after this. One of our sponsors today is Ounce of Hope, giving you 20 percent off. Ounce of Hope is a farm that delivers high quality cannabis products right to your door, including CBD, Delta 8 THC and Delta 9 THC. Unlike other companies selling these products, they do all of the THC extraction themselves. You know the safety and the quality of the product. They're top notch when you open the box. Their psychoactive THC products do give you the effect we associate with marijuana, but their THC products are derived from hemp, which means it's federally legal and they can ship it anywhere in the United States. There are so many cool things about this company. Ounce of Hope is an aquaponic cannabis farm, meaning they sustainably raise fish, use the water from the fish habitat, the fish poop to feed to the cannabis plants as fertilizer, completely organic. And then Ounce of Hope donates the fish to local homeless shelters and donate the extra fish poop as fertilizer to local farms and gardens. This is a small indoor farm. The focus is sustainability, giving back to the community, and they support the work we do at The David Pakman Show. So support them. You'll get 20 percent off all of their high quality CBD and THC products when you go to ounceofhope.com and use the code Pacman. That's O-U-N-C-E of hope.com. Use code Pacman at checkout for 20 percent off. The info is in the podcast notes. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact based reporting for some much needed clarity in the finance world, helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement, all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you NerdWallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. The weather is about to start warming up, and that often means sweating and chafing and sticking. Sheath is the men's underwear that once and for all puts an end to all of that nonsense. Our sponsor, Sheath Underwear, has designed unique boxer briefs with an ergonomic compartment built to keep everything separate and dry and cool and comfortable by allowing air to circulate everywhere it needs to be. No more readjusting all day. Sheath offers a huge variety of designs and patterns. Over half a million pairs have already been sold. Also, check out their super comfortable bamboo T-shirts. Sheath has amazing customer service, super fast shipping, along with over 20,000 five star reviews. Sheath is also actively working with multiple nonprofits that deal with mental health and homelessness, which you support when you get sheath underwear. I've had a great experience with sheath underwear. I know you will too. head on over to sheathunderwear.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman for 20 percent off. That's S H E A T H underwear.com slash Pacman code Pacman for 20 percent off. The info is in the podcast notes. Well, we woke up to some delightful news this morning, lying, disgraced, Republican Congressman George Santos, also known to many as George Anthony DeVolder Santos, George DeVolder, Anthony DeVolder, Anthony Santos, and, and, and all I think that covers most of the permutations. He has been arrested and is in federal custody as we speak, charged with 13 different criminal counts. Isn't this fantastic news? And we'll talk about the Trump five million dollar verdict in a moment. Um, what will happen to George Santos now that he has been arrested? Maybe this will get him. Uh, out of Congress, which would be delightful. CNN reports George Santos in federal custody as fed, feds unseal a 13 count indictment. We have a mugshot. It's an incredible thing. The Justice Department Wednesday unsealed federal charges against Congressman George Santos and the New York Republican is in custody, is in custody. Santos, whose astonishing pattern of lies and fabrication stunned even hardened politicos, has been charged on a 13 count indictment including seven counts of wire fraud, 
three counts of money laundering, one count of theft of public funds and two counts of making materially materially false statements to the House of Representatives. This is just a delight. He was taken into custody in Melville on Long Island, where the FBI is housed. From there, he was taken to a courthouse in central Islip. He's expected to appear later today in federal court may already happen by the time you listen to today's show or watch. The congressman's attorney declined to comment to CNN. Spokespeople for the Brooklyn U.S. Attorney's Office, Justice Department and FBI also declined to comment. One of my favorite things is that he seemed not to even like know what was going on when it was first mentioned to him. He's like, this is news to me. Santos was en route back to New York Tuesday night, skipping House votes for the evening. According to a source, a spokeswoman for Santos, Nasa Woomer, wouldn't respond to questions shouted from reporters yesterday, abruptly departed the congressman's office with a backpack. Prior to her departure from the office, CNN witnessed three staffers abruptly depart with their bags. They wouldn't talk. Can you imagine you're, you're working for like the biggest liar in Congress and now he's arrested? It's it's just a delight. A House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said he's going to look at the charges before determining whether Santos should be removed from Congress. Quote, I'll look at the charges, he said to CNN. Santos was spotted in the Capitol earlier yesterday on his way in and out of McCarthy's office. The speaker said he didn't know why Santos was even there <laughs> and that the congressman had not told him personally about the charges. Um, as you know, during his brief time in office, Santos was accused of breaking campaign finance laws, violating, violating federal conflict of interest laws, stealing cash meant for an Iraq war veterans dying dog, masterminding a credit card fraud scheme and lying about where he went to school and where he worked. And I would add to that lying about his athletic achievements and lying about so many different things. This is this is really great. And it's not great, as some on the right will say, because I just want my political enemies to have weaponized uh, justice proceedings against them when there is no evidence they've done anything wrong. It's, it's actually quite the opposite. There is so much material about the wrongdoing of George Santos, including all sorts of different criminality. What's good is that he's being held accountable. He's not being excused from wrongdoing because he is one of 435 members of Congress, members of the House of Representatives, better said, one of 535 members of, uh, of both houses of Congress. That's good. When people are held accountable, that's a good thing. The Associated Press reporting about this as well. There's one particular moment that I love. Um, th this is so good. Reached on Tuesday, Santos said, this is news to me. The AP called him to say, hey, what do you think about all the charges and your forthcoming arrest? He was like, news to me. I don't know anything about it. He said in a brief phone interview, you're the first to call me about it. That is just just absolutely the best. So we're going to follow this very closely. There are two stories here. There is the story of the charges and the wrongdoing itself on the one hand. And then there is the story of what do Republicans do? Many Republicans have wanted this guy out for a while. But it wasn't really clear they had the whole party behind them. And so they kind of said, listen, we have a process. I don't know if we really have the votes or whatever. And they kind of shut up about it. And it, it to a degree, it went away. Um, you then had other Republicans who very much want to get this guy out. It wasn't clear they had a path to do it before these charges. Maybe now they do. It's important to remember charges are merely allegations. In the United States, you're innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. However, there are many jobs where if you are charged with certain crimes, you are at minimum suspended from your job. And then if you are in the future acquitted, then there are different processes. Again, it's different depending on the military would be one thing. Financial services companies have other policies, so on and so forth. There is latitude from employers of different kinds as to how charges are handled, given that charges themselves are not actually guilty verdicts. And that's the system we have. And that's a good thing. What do Republicans do now? I don't know, but we'll be watching it and delightful news to wake up to. Donald Trump has been found liable of sexual abuse and defamation of E. Jean Carroll. He has not been found liable when it comes to rape. Why am I using the term liable? I'm using the term liable because this is a civil lawsuit and Trump. Indeed, th these are not criminal charges. Trump will uh, be has been ordered to pay five million dollars in damages. 
This is a major story we've been following for some time. E. Jean Carroll, a writer, alleges that alleged and alleges that Donald Trump sexually assaulted and raped her in the Bergdorf Goodman department store in Manhattan, in New York City in the 90s. The reason uh, let me even before I go further, Donald Trump, in denying those accusations, uh, insulted her in a number of different ways due to a special provision that allows you to bring a civil suit in cases of sexual assault, even when the criminal aspect has passed its statute of limitations. E. Jean Carroll was able to sue Trump civilly in New York, both for sexual assault and for defamation. And she uh, has prevailed, we can say. CNN reports a Manhattan federal jury found that Donald Trump sexually abused E. Jean Carroll in a luxury department store dressing room in the spring of 1996 and awarded her five million dollars for battery and defamation. Carol alleged Trump raped her in the Bergdorf Goodman department store and then defamed her when he denied her claim, saying she's not his type and suggested she made up the story to boost book sales. Trump denied all wrongdoing. He does not face jail time as a result of the civil verdict. While the jury did find that Trump sexually abused her sufficient to hold him liable for battery, the jury did not find that Carol proved he raped her. So there's a bunch of different stories that are going on here. One of the stories is Trump's lawyer and other maggots saying Trump prevailed. He was not found liable for rape. That's one perspective. The other perspective is Trump did not prevail. He's been ordered to pay five million dollars for sexual assault and for defamation. And he certainly did not prevail. The other perspective, and we'll look at Trump's response, is that this is all just the same politically organized weaponization of law enforcement that they've been saying now for years. Uh, there's no evidence of that whatsoever. Everything here was handled uh, based on every lawyer I spoke to this morning. Everything was handled perfectly by the judge, despite Trump's allegations that the judge has it out for Trump in some way. Now, there is the belief that there will be an appeal here. Trump's lawyer, uh, Takapina, I forget, is it Joe Takapina? Um, said that they will appeal and uh, again restated that Trump prevailed in the sense that he was not found liable for rape. But the outcome is still quite bad for Trump. Will Trump pay the five million dollars? Well, we don't know. Certainly not before any relevant appeals have concluded that we can be sure of. If Trump ultimately does pay, maybe he can do some of the things he's done in the past, like maybe reroute five million dollars in, I don't know, campaign donations to pay for this or something along those lines. The MAGA people already dismissing this as listen, it's simply a civil case. This isn't criminal. It's no big deal as if suddenly civil cases are completely irrelevant. But of course, we know that that's not the case. After the break, we are going to look at the complete crumbling of Trump in response to this as well as a former Trump White House staffer coming forward and saying there were countless allegations of sexual harassment against Trump while he was president of the United States. Forget about the dozens of allegations against Trump before he became president. It turns out that there are dozens of allegations against Trump while he was in the White House. We, we just learned about this in the last 24 hours. Incredible. Incredible, but not surprising. We will talk about that after the break. Did you know that half of Americans are deficient in vitamins A and C as well as magnesium? If you keep your diet nutritionally balanced all the time, you can get everything you need. But half of Americans don't. And it can really impact how you feel. Our sponsor, Athletic Greens, makes it super easy. I mix one scoop of AG1 from Athletic Greens into water. It tastes great. I get all of the high quality vitamins and minerals I need from whole food sourced ingredients. I don't have to fumble around with bottles, capsules, individual vitamins and things like that. I just don't have the time. You should see what's going on at my house. AG1 simplifies everything. I'm covering my nutritional bases for the entire day. Super easy, easy to stick to as well. 
and dramatically more cost effective than getting all of these different vitamin supplements. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Pacman for a free year supply of vitamin D. I've talked about vitamin D many times, plus five free AG1 travel packs. That's athleticgreens.com slash Pacman for a year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. The link is in the podcast notes. The failed former president, Donald Trump, exploded on his platform Troth Central after a jury found him liable for sexual assault and defamation of E. Jean Carroll in that Bergdorf Goodman department store in Manhattan in the 1990s. You knew he was going to absolutely lose his mind. Let's take a look at the various uncontrollable posts, uh, sort of like diarrhea of the post rather than the mouth. Uh, right before the decision was made, Trump trothing, quote, waiting for a jury decision on a quote on a capital F false accusation where I, despite being a current political candidate and leading all others in both parties, am not allowed to speak or defend myself. Now, that's a lie. Trump could have testified. In fact, he said he was flying back to the U.S. to testify. His lawyers were like, no, you're not, dude, you're not doing that, um, saying even as hard nosed reporters scream questions about this case at me. In the meantime, the other side has a book falsely accusing me of capital R rape and is working with the press. I will therefore not speak until after the trial, but will appeal the capital U unconstitutional silencing of me as a candidate, no matter the outcome. Now, remember, while he was president, E. Jean Carroll wanting to have these allegations adjudicated wasn't fair because Trump was a sitting president. Now that Trump's no longer a president, the whole trial is unfair because he's a candidate. Endless. Then we got the decision, and that's when Trump turned on caps lock and really went in for the crazy. Trump posting after the verdict, quote, I have absolutely no idea who this woman is. This verdict is a disgrace, a continuation of the greatest witch hunt of all time. Then trothing again in all capital letters, very unfair trial. And then the video started Trump using troth central almost like a short form like TikTok, a short form vlog platform posting these 15 and 20 second videos. Let's take a look at the first one here. Trump putting on his suit and tie and standing in front of flags in order to deliver these unhinged statements, if you can imagine. This was a very unfair trial. That's all you have to say. This was a very unfair trial. Right. And there <laughs> that's the that's the full statement from Trump in that particular video. Then he wrote. And it's funny, it says it's a 15 second video, but because of like the the little closing uh, animation, it's really only like a seven second video. Trump then posting a 21 second video. I have absolutely no idea who this woman is. <laughs> the verdict is a disgrace, a continuation of the greatest witch hunt of all time. Absolutely a shame. So that's Trump reading the troth that I mentioned to you earlier. I guess they just put it up on the on the teleprompter. Maybe that's why it's in all caps to make it easier for Trump to read. I don't know. It's all very strange. And then Trump putting out a slightly lengthier vlog about this. What else can you expect from a Trump hating Clinton appointed judge who went out of his way to make sure that the result of this trial was as negative as it could possibly be. Now, there's no evidence that any of this is true. Every lawyer I spoke to this morning said that the judge handled the case perfectly fine. Speaking to and in control of a jury from an anti-Trump area, which is probably the worst place in the United States for me to get a fair trial, will be appealing this decision. It's a disgrace. I don't even know who this woman is. I have no idea who she is, where she came from. <laughs> this is another scam. It's I'm finding this a little difficult to believe, to be perfectly honest with you. It's a political witch hunt, and somehow we're going to have to fight this stuff. We cannot let our country go into this abyss. This is disgraceful. You have somebody running for office. You have a woman that's financed and lied about it. She totally lied about it by... Democrat operatives like just about the biggest one there is. And she said that wasn't true. They found that she lied about it. Isn't this incredibly whiny? And 
The judge wasn't even, I guess, letting it be put in as evidence. Huh? The whole thing is a scam, and it's a shame, and it's a disgrace to our country. There you go. Very powerful statement from Donald Trump. So listen, um, we've got Trump who has now been uh, arrested and charged in New York, found civilly liable in New York, likely to be arrested and charged again in Georgia sometime between. I'm trying to remember the dates we heard from Fannie Willis down in Georgia. I believe it was between July 11th and September 1st or something like that, where they, they have this next charging period where grand jury decisions will be made and charging decisions will be made. This is not going very well for Donald Trump, but I have to hand it to the MAGA people. His support among the Republican Party is only going up. And so it still appears that this is very much not good for Trump in terms of the general election, although he still could win. You look at the polling, it's close, but it is it is actually quite good for Trump in the Republican primary and in some way, some indirect way. Trump's charges and the five million dollar liability finding and all of this stuff, it may be DeSantis's undoing because it's actually boosting Trump. Now, Trump has a town hall tonight on CNN. Uh, we're going to talk about that later. Uh, and they damn wetter, damn well better ask about this stuff. But I don't I don't know that it will. We'll, we'll get to that a little bit later in the wake of the finding by a New York jury that Donald Trump is liable for sexual assault and defamation against writer E. Jean Carroll in that Bergdorf Goodman department store in New York City in the 1990s. We now have a cascade of serial sexual harassment allegations against Donald Trump from a former staffer while he was president of the United States. There was maybe the, the belief, I don't know, I mean, you know, sometimes it's like these serial harassers and assaulters, they don't often stop particularly not when they're in positions of power. But there were dozens of allegations of different levels of sexual assault against Trump from sort of like verbal harassment all the way up to rape. Dozens of them in periods of time before Donald Trump became president of the United States. A former staffer is now accusing Trump of sexual harassment in the White House. Newsweek reports Staffers who worked in Trump's White House have accused him of sexual harassment. The uh, OK, so a lot of this news is about the verdict which we've already talked about and Trump's reaction. Discussing the verdict on CNN, Alyssa Farah Griffin, who quit as Trump's White House comms director in December of 2020, said Trump had a pattern of behaving inappropriately with women while in the White House. She noted she wasn't the only one to re report such behavior to Trump's chief of staff. Take a look at this clip from CNN. Stunning, but not altogether surprising. Listen, when Donald Trump tells you who he is, believe him. Um, I mean, that is, this is, it, we wanted to chalk it up to locker room talk in 2016. It was not locker room talk. Now he is credibly, he has been, he's now been charged with, or I should say held liable in this case for actually committing sexual assault. Like, I cannot underscore that enough. Uh, that your guest before made an incredibly important point. Any man or woman who was falsely accused would be the first person to show up and to defend themselves in a rape allegation or a sexual assault allegation. He couldn't be bothered to show up. I have countless cases of what I considered impropriety in the White House that I brought to the chief of staff because I thought the way he engaged with women was dangerous. Wow. This is, I mean, we know these facts, the patterns have laid out, and now this is something that's not just speculation, it's not just allegations, it is a jury of his peers deciding that he did this. Wait, you brought to Mark Meadows, the chief of staff, uh, or other chiefs of staff, incidents that you witnessed of Donald Trump behaving in, inappropriately with women? I did, as well as uh, former White House Press Sec Secretary Stephanie Grisham and others. Um, Nothing that rises to this level, but things that I would consider improper and that I had wow. a duty to report. And this is all out there. Voters need to pay attention and folks in my own party need to stop making apologies for this man. Is there anything more you can tell us about this? I, I, if I'm able to, I will share more. All right. You have to come on this show to tell it, though. Let's Those are major, major allegations. Now, I want to zoom out a little bit. The broader story with these major allegations against Trump follows this pattern. We hear one allegation and MAGA rallies around Trump and most Republicans do and say it's made up. 
And then we get more allegations that now start to become a pattern and it becomes much more difficult to say that it's made up. I'll give you an example. Cassidy Hutchinson testified to the January 6th committee when Democrats still controlled the House before January of this year. Cassidy Hutchinson testified Trump lunged at a Secret Service agent and demanded that he be brought. I don't even remember where it was, where, where his the rioters were, or whatever. And the reaction was that's so out of character for Trump. Trump would never do that. Trump doesn't have a temper. No, it's all it's all very clearly made up. And then a couple of weeks ago, we get yet another story. Recent one which we have on a recording, which is Trump lunged at a reporter on his plane because the reporter was asking Trump what questions that Trump did not want to answer. And Trump snatched the guy's phone out of his hand and tossed it. Oh, so it's the exact same pattern of lunging at people when they are talking to you about something you don't want to talk about or telling you something that you don't want to hear. It starts to become more and more difficult to deny these things, particularly when they're recorded. So now we have another version of this. Trump sexually harassed one, two, 25, 30, 40 women before Trump became president. It's all fake. It's totally out of character. Okay. We now have a court finding. A jury has found Trump is liable for sexual assault and then defaming the woman who accused him of the sexual assault. He owes her $5 million. Oh, well, that's also BS. And now a former staffer says, oh, by the way, the exact same pattern that E. Jean Carroll alleged from the 1990s, dozens of other women alleged during the 2000s. It didn't stop when Trump was in the White House. It's all the same story. And so the right, the MAGA right, some Republicans who continue to defend this guy will insist these are just these allegations are so hard to believe. They're just so random. They're being made up. They're being weaponized. These allegations of Trump's temper, Trump's snapping at people, lunging at people, sexually harassing, sexually assaulting and going beyond that with women. It's a decades long pattern. It's a decades long pattern that goes back. One of Trump's former wives, I now forget which one, I think it was Ivana, said Trump sexually assaulted her multiple times. How can it all be this concerted effort to defame Trump when first a jury quite literally found that it was actually Trump who did the defamation? And it's the same stories from women who don't even know each other, who have nothing to do. Alyssa Farah Griffin and what she observed when she worked for Trump a few years ago has nothing to do with what happened to E. Jean Carroll or what Trump's ex-wife alleged or what, you know, the, the young women from the Miss Whatever pageant where Trump would go backstage. It's all unrelated individuals who don't know each other. And the pattern that's emerging is these stories seem to be corroborated again and again and again from unrelated sources. That's really the, the revelation here. So tonight there's a town hall on CNN. Is it going to be handled responsibly? Is it going to be handled the way it should be handled, given the insanity of who Trump is and has become? I'm not confident, but we're going to talk about that after the break. Make sure make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the David Pakman show. Make sure you're following us on TikTok for the short form content uh, and make sure you've signed up at joinpacman.com. When you're using websites and apps, your device sends out data about you into the open, who you are, where you go, things you like. That data then gets sold around for advertising purposes, which is why every time I connect to the Internet, I use a VPN to hide my IP address. And our sponsor, Private Internet Access, is the most trustworthy VPN on the market. It's the only VPN that has proven multiple times in court they don't log your activity. Private Internet Access protects you from the prying eyes of hackers, your Internet service provider, tech companies. Private Internet access is also super fast for streaming and for downloads. You can watch your favorite streaming platforms as if you're in another country like the UK to access cool new content. And with just one account, you can protect unlimited devices all at the same time. This is really a game changer. Private Internet access is giving my audience 83 percent off. That's 203 a month plus four months free. Go to PIAVPN.com slash David. The link is in the podcast notes. CNN is holding a town hall event tonight for Donald Trump in St. Anselm at St. Anselm College in New Hampshire. This was already a very high stakes media event in the sense that 
this is not a normal person. This is not, I don't know, you know, uh, Sununu's running and we're going to do a town hall or whatever the case may be. Mitt Romney, you know, this is uh, one of the most destructive forces to ever hold the White House, who was impeached twice, has been arrested and charged, was just found liable of sexual assault and defamation and owes E. Jean Carroll five million dollars incited an insurrection to try to remain in the White House despite having lost an election, which to this day he claims he actually won. This is not a normal person. And so from a media ratings and profit perspective, I understand why CNN is giving Trump a town hall. I get it. I don't yet want to pass judgment as to whether it will be a responsible or irresponsible thing to do, because I want to see how CNN handles it at this point in time. How do you not bring up the sexual assault decision from that jury? How do you not bring up January 6th? How do you not bring up the arrest and the likely additional forthcoming arrest in Georgia that we expect to happen sometime between July and August? Are they going to handle this responsibly or is it going to be uh, Mr. Trump? What will you do to stop Biden Marxism? If you were to get another term in office, right? If it's that, okay, if it's if that's the type of thing we're going to see, this may be one of the most irresponsible media events that we ever uh, witnessed. Now, which of the two is it going to be? I don't know. Uh, the Associated Press, CNN's town hall with Trump takes on higher stakes after sexual abuse verdict. Trump will return to CNN's airwaves Wednesday, joining the network for a two hour town hall event in early voting New Hampshire a day after a civil jury found him liable for sexually assaulting an advice columnist nearly three decades ago. The forum, which was announced last week, was expected to be notable because it would be bringing together a network and a candidate who have sparred with each other. But the stakes raised considerably Tuesday after jurors in New York found Trump sexually abused and defamed E. Jean Carroll, though it rejected her claim that he raped her. The jury awarded her five million dollars in charges. It also returns focus to questions over Trump's treatment of women over the years. Yeah. Raising the stakes for an event at which he will be forced to respond to tough questioning from host Caitlin Collins in the audience. Well, we don't know that. Will it be tough questioning? I don't know. Carol is more than one, uh, more than a dozen women, one of more than a dozen women who accused Trump of sexual assault or harassment. I think the number is actually closer to 50. Trump has historically not reacted well when pressed on stage about his behavior toward women, most notably during the first debate in 2015. When he sparred with Fox host Megyn Kelly, he later said she had blood coming out of her whatever when she was questioning him. That was an insane moment. So uh, I, I am um, sort of maintaining an open mind or whatever you would say. And many of you have written to me and said, David, you don't need to keep an open mind. What what CNN is going to do is completely irresponsible. It's going to be nuts. Now, let's address a little bit about my plans for coverage of this event. My plan was to stream the town hall live and then to do a sort of retrospective on it on tomorrow's show. Let's d deal with two parts of that. Am I going to do that? And then morally, what do I think about the whole thing? Let's actually start with the morally first. I believe that what CNN is going to do tonight may be completely, completely immoral journalistically, but it may not. I want to wait and see how it goes. I want to see how Caitlin Collins handles it. I want to see what sort of questions are selected, the entire thing. Um, my plan to cover it live tonight and to discuss it tomorrow. You know, a few people wrote to me and said, David, you're doing something just as bad as CNN. No, I with peace and love, I completely reject that uh, notion. We do a program that is heavily centered around media analysis and media criticism. Whether I talk about the fact that this event took place or not, it's taking place. I have nothing to do with the fact that it's taking place and I want to cover it in order to analyze how CNN handles the event. OK, so I don't have you know, the idea that I'm doing the same thing CNN is doing by talking about or covering the event. I reject it completely. We do media analysis. We do media criticism here. Now, that being said, am I actually going to cover the event live tonight? No. And the reason why is CNN, our, our YouTube rep and our Twitch contact both. And we have nobody at Facebook, but I'm going to assume it's the same thing. Twitch and YouTube have told me CNN plans to go really hard against anyone who uh, broadcasts that event live tonight. Um, they will shut you down.
They will shut you down on YouTube. They will shut you down on Twitch. And you know what? I believe it because CNN has done it before. So the plan for tonight is I'm going to stream a pre show. We are going to have clips, interviews with people on the ground there at St. Anselm in um, New Hampshire. We're going to discuss the context surrounding this event going live at 730 p.m. Eastern. The event starts at 9 p.m. I believe. Let me just verify that Trump Town Hall, New Hampshire, May 10 start time. It was scheduled for nine. I want to make sure that's the case. CNN says how to watch. Um, oh, it's 8 p.m. OK, so let's actually do it differently. It starts at 8 p.m. I will go live at 7 p.m. Eastern. We'll do an hour pre show and then we'll end the stream. And if you want to watch the event, you can go and watch it from eight to ten on an official platform, CNN online or whatever. And if you don't want to watch it, then I will do a retrospective of it tomorrow. So that's our plan. I will be watching for do they actually bring, quote, tough questions to Trump? Is Trump held accountable? Is Trump treated as the abnormal president? that he was and and the abnormal candidate that he that he is or does CNN normalize him? All questions which we will find out answers to tonight. Join me at 7 p.m. Eastern. I will see you then. Uh, My pillow, Mike Lindell, the CEO and founder of my pillow. Is yet again saying he is about to blow the roof off. He's going to blow your socks off with his latest event, the Election Crimes Summit. This is so hard to take seriously at this point. The Springfield News leader announces my uh, Mike Pillow, my pillow CEO, my Mike Lindell, my pillow CEO and prominent election fraud theorist plans to return to Springfield, Missouri in August to host an election crime bureau summit. This will be August 15 and 16. This is yet another one of these events at which no election crimes will be revealed. That is my sense. Here is Mike Pillow with a very difficult to believe prediction that this will be the most show most watched show in world history. It's hard to to take it even at all seriously, my friends. Uh, We've got the um, uh, election crime bureau that's going great. We've got the summit coming up. We're going to keep pushing that August 16th and 17th in Springfield, Missouri. It's going to be the biggest simulcast or the biggest uh, watch program, I hope, in history. Because if you this will be bigger than the MASH finale. Going to come. We're going to show everybody the plan going forward. We're going to say with all the evidence over the last two years, what we can do with it. What can we do with it? Even though there that no judges are looking at it. What are we doing? (laughs) I love that. Every judge is ignoring what we're saying. But what can we do going beyond that? He's going to let you know that at this event. What can we do? So that's going to be really important. Yeah. And um, OK, it's stunning to me that Mike Lindell is able to say these things with a straight face. Is he ever going to drop this? I don't know. Now, you might remember we recently last week we interviewed uh, Bob Zeidman, Robert Zeidman. He is the cyber guy who um, is now owed five million dollars by Mike Pillow because Bob Zeidman, an admitted Trump supporter, voted for Trump twice, proved Mike Pillow's claims wrong. Mike Pillow didn't have evidence of a stolen election in the United States and that China was involved in it somehow. And so Pillow now owns owes Bob Zeidman five million bucks. Zeidman's impression of Pillow was that he was serious about all of these claims. He's a true believer. Here is Mike Pillow in this same interview on Real America's Voice saying that he is not going to uh, go down uh, uh, quietly. He's going to try to not pay Bob the five million bucks. Take a look at this. Uh, Everyone heard about the five million dollar fiasco. Uh, the challenge they're challenging the uh, the evidence or some of the evidence that I have. Yeah. And uh, we're taking that. We talked met with the lawyers yesterday. We're taking that to court. So <laughs> that's uh, that's a report on that. There you go. So he's going to be appealing that. Have you seen a guy who seems to love losing more than Mike Pillow? He loses everything. He told me he's lost at months ago was thirty five million dollars related to all of this election fraud nonsense. He lost five million in the finding with uh, Bob Zeidman. He loses every time he holds one of these symposia or as he calls it, the symposium. Now it's going to be a summit, maybe easier to pronounce for him. He, he just loses everything. There's no ratings. No judges are looking at any. 
losing, losing, losing. And from all reports, and this is sad, I feel bad for the guy for this in the sense that I feel bad for anybody who starts to, you know, be alienated from their family because of their their. I guess insanity, I don't know what else to call it. He seems to really be struggling personally as a result of all of this. So he's welcome to come back on the show anytime. It's always interesting to hear from him. We had a perfectly cordial conversation last time, but uh, there is some level on which this is truly very sad. We have a voicemail number that you can call if you'd like to make your presence known. That number is two one nine two David P. Here's a caller with a very interesting question about Trump's fate as a sex offender on the basis of the finding against him in the Eugene Carroll sexual assault and defamation trial yesterday. Uh, yes, David, this is Alan calling from Texas. And yes, I was sir. just wondering, will Donald Trump be forced to register on the sex offender website since he was convicted of what was it, sexual battery or assault with the E. Jean Carroll case? Uh, could you let us know? Thank you. The answer is no. Trump will not have to register as a sex offender. So I checked in with a couple lawyer friends today, and this was my instinct. The sex offender registry is for people found criminally liable, criminally liable. And um, because Trump was found, uh, I'm sorry, criminally guilty. Because Trump was found civilly liable as a civil judgment, a monetary judgment, the uh, standard of proof is different and it does not require registering as a sex offender. Now, it is true that sex offender registration laws vary by state. And every lawyer I spoke to very lawyerly said to me, generally speaking, civil liability in sexual assault does not confer state sex offender registry, but it's possible there's some state where the laws differ because the laws on this stuff do differ from state to state. But I was not able to find any state in which you are required to register as a sex offender if you're found civilly liable for sexual assault. Um, it, it's, it's usually pretty specific. It's you must register as a sex offender. If you are criminally convicted of specific offenses, usually rape is listed, sexual assault, child molestation, child molestation, you know, child porn charges are often in there, et cetera. I know that you're not supposed to call it child porn, but I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. Um, the civil judgment question theoretically could depend on state law. It appears as though states could require that those found civilly liable for similar actions be required to register. But the belief of every attorney I spoke to today is that there is no state that currently has that requirement. So Trump, as far as I know, will not have to register as a sex offender on the basis of this finding. We have such a great bonus show for you today, although many of the stories are sort of sad stories uh, and disturbing stories. The gunman who killed eight at the Texas shopping mall over the weekend, we now know uh, had neo-Nazi ideation and neo-Nazi tattoos. Still, this isn't stopping some on the right from saying it was a setup, it was a false flag or whatever the case may be. Um, of course, there's no evidence of that. There's evidence that he was a neo-Nazi, although police are still searching for the specific motivation in going to that mall on that day. I think it's fair to say he was a neo-Nazi. We don't yet necessarily know the motivation although we can speculate, but let's try not to speculate and go with what we know. So we're going to talk about that on the bonus show today. Secondly, this seems to happen again and again and again. One of these anti grooming crusaders, he's a, a Republican, of course, from Texas. He has now resigned because of sexual misconduct he was involved in with a teenage staffer or aide, I think they call them. Yet again, yet again. And lastly, the subway crime debate has been revived in New York City because of this horrible choking death that took place. I have so much experience with the New York subway and I've seen it change to some degree over the years. I will weigh in with my experiences on the subway as well as a white looking guy. Right. I think it's fair to say, sure, I'm a Hispanic immigrant from Argentina, but I present like a white guy, a boring white guy. Um, and I know that that may be a factor in my experiences versus the experiences of others on the New York subway. So we'll talk about all of those stories and more on today's bonus show. 
Please sign up for the bonus show, folks. It really is great. Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. Yeah. Everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. Yeah, okay. I mean, we do make money on the bonus show, but it also it really is great. And we'll talk about all of these stories today. You can sign up at joinpacman.com. I believe our normal membership rates are so reasonable, so reasonable. But if you'd like a discount, it's not means tested. It's available to whoever wants it. Use the coupon code indicted and you'll save roughly 50%. All right, everybody. See you in a few on the bonus show. We're back here tomorrow.